Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Greetings to all of you and many thanks once again for tuning in to this, our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, available in ebook paperback at Amazon.com. And also keep in mind, volumes 6, 5, 4, and 3 are now in audiobook at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon. Please remember, when you purchase a book, either for yourself or someone else, you are helping us in a great way to continue doing what it is we do. So please do buy a book. You may also follow the URL link in our podcast description for an opportunity to receive a free audio formatted book. And now, a big Terror in the Woods shout out to a fanatical cryptid fan and a devout listener to the show, Carol from the UK and her nine-year-old son, Ruben, who, as I understand, is quite the Bigfoot fan. And according to mom, is really smelling what we're cooking, if you catch (laughs) my drift. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, Mother Carol was taking Ruben camping. And I wonder, uh, Kevin, if you're over there, if they were looking for the UK hairy man. What do you think? (laughs) <laughs> could be, could be. There's some rural areas out there in the UK. <laughs> I've never heard of a UK hairy man, but you never know. Uh, you never fascin- know. I mean, they do have Nessie up there in uh, the Northern Lands in Scotland. So, Yeah, and some of those Nessie sightings, uh, people said they saw the thing crossing the street. <laughs> so, may, maybe that he's might coming. have been after drinking some of that uh, famous Scottish whiskey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm wondering if he's going to come into that campground and pull Reuben out of the tent. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Reuben. <laughs> Nothing oh, to worry goodness. about as you get tucked in, Reuben. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm fascinated by these uh, people, uh, Carol and uh, my buddy down there in Texas, uh, reading the kids' uh, stories around the campfire and, again, trying to scare the daylights out of them. But I guess different strokes for different folks. Yeah, I only regret I didn't think of it when my kids were younger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, here's my brother Kevin, who's already on board, and he's got some really uh, enticing Kentucky bluegrass Bigfoot reports to talk about. So, Kev, what do you got for us today? Yeah, hey, Bill. Um, So this uh, story came out uh, on several different news fronts, several different periodicals. Um, this one came out on, on CNN on uh, August 1st of this year, so about a month ago, and took place in a place called Mammoth Cave National Park. And uh, I haven't been to Mammoth Cave National Park, but I did add it to the uh, to-do list as it's not that far away from me. Um, but it lies between Louisville, Kentucky and Nashville, Tennessee, roughly on a north-south line between those two cities. 
Um, so kind of right there in the heartland of uh, the U.S. of A. Uh, for our international folks. And the story, the title of the story is Man Fires a Gun in a Kentucky National Park After He Claims He Saw Bigfoot, Couple Says. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And this was by Darren Simon and Mirna Al-Sharif, Al-Sharif of CNN on uh, August 1st, 2019. So the story goes like this. Uh, a couple camping at a national park in Kentucky said they were rousted from their tent by a man who told them he had seen a Bigfoot. The man said he fired into the darkness after the ape-like monster lunged at him, the couple told CNN. Law enforcement rangers with the Mammoth Cave National Park responded to the incident involving the camper with the firearm at one of the park's backcountry campsites early Sunday, park spokeswoman Molly Schroer said in a statement. The statement did not confirm a Bigfoot sighting, but Schroer said no threat remains in the park. So uh, don't worry about this. Just move along, folks. That's my <laughs> words. <laughs> Those yeah, are my words, not, not yeah, hers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's nothing quite like a lunging Bigfoot in the dark. <laughs> oh, my God. That scared someone enough to shoot at it. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, you know, think about this guy. Uh First of all, he's carrying a firearm, which is, seems odd to me, but I live here on Long Island, you know, but he is carrying a sidearm, and to withdraw that thing in a park setting, whatever the park setting was, and to pull the trigger, I mean, come on, man, something something had to be charging this guy, and he says it was a Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll talk more about the story, but we've got to talk about those firearms a minute. That's definitely because you live on Long Island. I mean, I have three firearms within reach. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case the hairy man knocks on my window uh, here, I'm yes, ready. Yes, yes. Uh, Ava, Ava I, I'm not even going to say that. But remember when the, the commercial where the bell would ring and they'd say, Avon calling. <laughs> well, your bell rings and you open the door and there's a nine-foot freaking monster there. Bigfoot. <laughs> calling like the old uh, saturday night live skit with land shark <laughs> so uh so we'll go back to the story so uh speaking of the firearms the story goes like this continues to go like this federal regulations prohibit the discharge of a firearm in the national park she said park officials know the identity of the person who allegedly fired a weapon but no charges have been filed mm. And it goes on to interview the couple that reported the incident. So Madeline Durant and her boyfriend, Brad Ginn, who reported the incident to park rangers, said the, enc the encounter frightened them. And the attention over the alleged sighting of the cryptozoological mystery known as Bigfoot or Sasquatch has surprised the Bowling Green, Kentucky couple. And the quote is, I was mostly just concerned about him shooting the gun in the middle of the night without him really seeing anything, said Duran, 22. Duran said she was awakened around 11 p.m. when she heard noises outside of their tent. She assumed other campers were being rowdy and drinking. She woke in after a flashlight shined into the tent. We got out of the tent and saw a man who told us their campsite had been destroyed by someone or something, said Durant, a student at Western Kentucky University. 
The man, who was with his young son, showed them his gun on his hip and told them the area was popular for Bigfoot sightings, Duran recalled. The couple climbed back into their tent as the man walked away to investigate with his son in tow. We heard them coming back about 10 minutes later. We heard them yelling, I see it, Duran said. She added, we saw the flash from his gun and he shot maybe 20 yards from the side of our tent into the pitch black darkness. Duran said she was scared that the gunfire could have struck them. The man with firearms seemed frightened too. He told the couple his hands were shaking, they recalled. The guy said he saw a Bigfoot emerge from the brush and it was coming towards him, so he shot at it, said Ginn, 24, who also attends Western Kentucky University. We shined a flashlight to see if there was an animal or something, and there was absolutely nothing there, Durant said. Once the adrenaline wore off, the couple made jokes about their strange night during their five-mile hike back to their car in the darkness. We're pretty shocked by how much it's blown up, Ginn said. And, uh, you know, the, and it, then they, they go on just to talk a little bit about Bigfoot in the story. They say the legendary Bigfoot is commonly associated with the Pacific Northwest, but sightings have been reported all over the country. Wow. So, you yes. know, Kev, uh, this guy, it, it's not just a shooting. He... He came upon his campsite five miles deep into this park. I mean, that's a substantial hike into the woods. And his campsite is ravaged. So apparently he came upon his trashed campsite and then sometime shortly thereafter saw this thing coming at him out of the woods. Yeah, and he's with his young son, so that's pretty terrifying, right? You come back to your tent in the dark your campsite in the dark and everything's torn apart. And then, uh, you know, so you tell your neighbors there, which, you know, you had to be frightened to go up. You know, if you're camping in the back country, I would be very careful going up to somebody else's tent, you know, at 11 o'clock at night because they may send some lead your way through the tent. You know? <laughs> it's, it's incoming! <laughs> Just saying, you know, it's not... Uh, not a not a real safe move. So he had to be terrified. Yeah. And he obviously knows people have guns because he has one. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So here he's looking out for, uh, you know, the folks in this tent, this young couple. And, uh, you know, and then he sees something lunging at him shortly thereafter and, uh, you know, throws some lead back at him. Woo. So originally he came to the tent to report to them that something had trashed his campsite. Exactly, exactly. And then he then he stepped away or whatever after they had a little conversation and he shouts out, hey, I see something, you know, and then he pulls the trigger, you know. Exactly. That's that's what it sounds like. And that's how it's reported. And I mean, that's pretty frightening. And you got a feel for how deep they were into the backcountry because, you know, the young couple reports that it was a five mile hike back to their car. Yeah. Uh, and they must have been carrying. Just minimal gear, you know, like a, a lightweight mountain tent, tubular yeah, frame. Backpackers. Yep. Yeah, not 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 too much gear. No. no. Uh, but that is absolutely terrifying. And look, the father is doing what any father would do. I mean, first of all, you're out in the dark. Your eyes get accustomed to the dark. So I don't think it was like he didn't realize, uh, uh, is this a man or is this a Bigfoot? Uh, he probably saw this thing front on. 
uh, dark against dark and said to myself, my God, it's a Bigfoot and it's coming at him right. and he's got his little boy with him. Exactly. Exactly. Wow, just pretty, pretty terrifying. And I did look at, um, you know, some of the trail maps and photographs of this park, you know, just general materials of the park. And it's a pretty rural national park, you know, not surprising in that part of the country. And it looks like, you know, it's got some small... Uh, uh, mountains, you know, 800 foot, 1,000 foot, like are typical in that part of the U.S., kind of the worn down Appalachians. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, a lot uh, or several little rivers and streams that run through it and a lot of woods. So, you know, not atypical for the the places where the hairy man is sighting. Is yeah, cited. yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it it all boils down to what we've talked about many times when you fly over this great country of ours, there are plenty of places for anything to live that desires to live there. And there's plenty of food, water, habitat, uh, places to bed down, hiding places, you name it, we have it. Exactly, exactly. Wow, that's so incredible. Pretty, pretty interesting account. You know, we'll see... Uh, We'll see if we see any more sightings in this park uh, in uh, Kentucky. Wow, that's just incredible. Yeah, I got I got one more little news story to you also for you also. Uh, it's short, but it's uh, in my state here of North Carolina, so I have to report on it. And it's uh, kind of funny um, in that it just came out in the news in the Charlotte Observer, so the big newspaper in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, reported on August 24th that a Bigfoot statue is missing in the North Carolina mountains. Oh, no. Yes. And the sheriff's <laughs> office wants to know if you've seen it. I have seen it. It's in my living room. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> so uh, so the, uh, the post on the Avery County Sheriff's Office site says searching for Sasquatch. Oh, boy. Yeah, and the investigator said that a thief or thieves stole a six-foot-tall, 180-pound statue of the le legendary creature from Mountaineer Landscaping in Linville, North Carolina. Oh, my goodness. I and know. look, it's only six-foot-tall, so that's child abduction. <laughs> <laughs> a baby Bigfoot. <laughs> so they, they say it's a statue of a hunched but well-groomed bearded Bigfoot wow. with one of its big feet stepping forward. The creature stares to the side with wide open eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll end it with one of my favorite quotes that's posted associated with the story. Um, you know, of course, folks are... Uh, um, <laughs> one, one woman wrote, I found him in a, Hickory, in a Hickory, North Carolina store, size 20 foot, at 6'5", he works at the Hickory Daily Record as a route associate. <laughs> and then somebody else said, start uh, with the college fraternity houses. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. This is probably in a frat house with a bed sheet over it like they think they're hiding it. You know, That's what I'm thinking. Either a bed sheet uh, with some eyes painted on it like a ghost or, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, college football jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they duct tape a can of beer to his hand. <laughs> no doubt about it. Unbelievable. Hey, you know that was you know you figure if it's a six foot tall, 
uh, carving out of wood. That thing had to weigh a few hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, they say 180 pounds or whatever. So it's a, it's a beefy, beefy statue. So yeah, it had not, to. Not not too heavy for a couple of frat guys. <laughs> oh, that's too much. Hey, you know, <laughs> excuse me. I want to tell you something. I hadn't planned on this, but this actually just occurred last night. I was watching uh, one of my favorite ghost ghost shows, and uh, they were investigating the Augustine Lighthouse. Have you ever been there, Kev? Oh, down in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I've been there. Okay, so here, here goes nothing. You know, when I'm always talking about... Uh, the two aspects of Bigfoot, uh, be they paranormal and the flesh and blood creature. Well, this was really uh, strange. They had a couple of teams investigating the lighthouse, uh, uh, the the lightkeeper's structure, I guess you call it, and then the tower itself. And they also had a team investigating the woods surrounding it, uh, reports being told that they heard giggling and laughing of children in the woods. Now, mm-hmm. I won't get into this whole uh, ghost thing with you now, because to me, I believe all of this stuff is from the demonic realm. But the team that is in the woods, mind you, the show has nothing to do with Bigfoot whatsoever. They're ghost hunting. The team is in the woods, and they start to pick up on some noise, which they believe is uh, laughter. Uh, so the cameras are breaking back and forth to the lighthouse, to the woods, and back and forth as they do. And the team starts getting some high EMF readings in the middle of the woods on one of their meters. And then suddenly... One or two of the guys says that they hear something large crashing through the woods by them. And the next thing you know, the one guy's got this like little pencil size uh, flashlight. And he says, it's a beeping Sasquatch. And the camera turned to his face. You could see he was shocked. And then they went back like to the interior uh, of the uh, uh, the lighthouse, and as the show ends, they always do this like report to the people who who run the place or own the home. Uh, they didn't really mention anything about the Sasquatch or, or what the guy said as having seen a Sasquatch. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting when they turned the FLIR camera uh, into the woods. They were showing the FLIR illuminating themselves, which are like bright yellow, red, and orange. But there was no heat signature at all from what the guy had said was a Sasquatch. So to me, the whole thing reeks of this uh, paranormal thing. You know, they're, they're hunting ghosts, and the guy shouts out that he saw a you-know-what Sasquatch. So I thought that was really weird to have that occur on a ghost hunting episode. Yeah, that is strange. Um, and it's it's also, you know, the St. Augustine Lighthouse, It's of course, it's on the coast, right? You know, so it's a lighthouse. And um, it's not a place where I would think you would see the uh, traditional flesh and blood hairy man either, you know, because it's, it's right on the coast in Florida, you know, so it's not like, I mean, I've been to some lighthouses in the Oregon coast and stuff that are pretty darn rural. 
where you could see anything, but I wouldn't think you'd see the flesh and blood hairy man there. So the the ghost makes uh, makes some sense. Yeah, some type of there's some definitely some type of paranormal connection. And the the more I hear uh, things like this, this was a real shocker for me because you know, as a Bigfoot guy, when when anybody mentions the word Sasquatch or Bigfoot, I'm all ears. Yeah, and and you know, like I said, they didn't have any discussion uh, about it. Uh, because the show is about ghost hunting. But why this guy would just blurt that out in the middle of a ghost hunt, uh, having heard this stomping around and thrashing in the trees, uh, was beyond me. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool. Pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll keep our eyes and ears open on that one. Yep. So I have something uh, really uh, unusual here. Uh I'll get right into it. This uh, strange and unusual sighting uh, was brought to my attention by Olaf Jurgensen, who was hunting within the Otter Tail Range on June 27th of 2004. And uh, this is what Olaf saw. I was on the hunt working my way through the timber between Zinc and Sodalite Creeks with my end goal being the surrounds of South Tower, which was in full view to my northeast. Having reached the point where I was about four hours into the morning, in my mind, I was thinking that I would stop for a break, when suddenly I began to hear the low gurgling caw of a flock of ravens, which seemed to be just ahead of me. At this point, I couldn't see the birds, but could only hear their distant calls. As I hiked onward, being stimulated now by the calls of the ravens and wondering what the ruckus was all about, I had moved forward through the timber about another 75 yards or so to a point where I could now see the ravens circling in the sky just ahead of me. The raven is considered to be one of the smartest of birds, being deemed able to solve a six-piece puzzle. They seek out nests of other birds, and when found, one raven will distract any birds that may be protecting the nest, while the other birds rob it blind. The ravens, however, were not playing the part of the robbers this day but were rather circling over what I believed must be a bear or a cougar devouring a beast below them, waiting on high for the spoils to be left behind. Because of this, I was approaching the area with great caution, not wanting to stumble upon a feeding bear or lion. As I was slowly making my way through the trees and brush, I was now approaching the zone where I believed I would now see the ravens circling directly above me, and I still could see no reason on the ground for them wanting to circle above. I had a relatively good view of the entire area, shy of being able to see behind every tree, and I could see no evidence of a predator feeding on anything within the forest. It was then that my eyes caught some movement well up into one of the taller pines. And lo and behold, there was a gigantic Sasquatch clinging to the side of the tree alongside of what appeared to be a large twiggy raven's nest. 
Now it became obvious to me why the relenting circling and coying was taking place in the sky above this location. With turnabout being fair play, now apparently the tide had been turned, with the nest robbers now being the victims of a robbery themselves. It was truly remarkable to watch. The Sasquatch was at least 75 feet above the forest floor, and his feet and legs were wrapped around the tree's trunk, while holding on to an adjoining bough with one arm around it. With the other hand, he was reaching repeatedly into the nest, as I could then see its hand going to its mouth. Over and over again, the beast was repeating this movement, which indicated to me that it was eating chicks or eggs that were within the nest. I watched the beast carrying on its activities, as I remained well hidden below in the forest, some 40 or 50 yards away from where it was. There came a point when it had seemingly had its fill of whatever was available in that nest and began to climb into what was even a higher position in the tree, approaching what I hadn't seen before. It was yet another raven's nest in the boughs above it. This creature was now well above a hundred feet in the tree. And based on its apparent size, I was wondering whether or not the surrounding boughs could support it. No sooner had this thought entered into my mind than did I hear a loud crack, and the Sasquatch, having been caught unaware by the branch breaking, came tumbling down through the tree, smashing its body against numerous branches and at a variety of angles against its body, until it reached a point where it was now in total freefall for about 30 feet, hitting the ground with a tremendous thud. I watched as the beast lay apparently dead on the forest floor, with the ravens now rejoicing above him, landing in the boughs over his body and cawing in a chorus looking down on him. It was incredible to view what was happening before me. Having thought to myself that the Sasquatch had to have died, having been the victim of such a brutal fall. In awe, I saw one of its arms lifting from the ground, as the beast now was rolling from one side and then to the other, groaning as it did so. With every groan that the Sasquatch made, the cawing of the ravens became louder and louder with many of the birds now descending lower and lower in the tree, as if to taunt the crippled beast even further. Remarkably, after some 20 minutes of groaning and rolling about on the ground, the Sasquatch made its way to its feet, and with its left arm hanging limp, began to stagger away into the trees. This Sasquatch, as it fell through the tree, had broken through and bounced off maybe eight large limbs, which were somewhere between four and eight inches in diameter. Some of them broke as the body hit them, while others he simply slammed into, which caused his body to flip and tumble out of control until he hit the ground. I don't know how anything could survive such a fall let alone walk away from it. 
When he was lying on the ground, his face was initially down until he began to roll over and back and forth. This was followed by him standing to his feet, at which point his face was still not visible to my eyes. His height was somewhere in the neighborhood of between eight and nine feet, perhaps five feet at the shoulders. As soon as the creature had hit the ground, the ravens descended in mass, landing in the lower branches and swooping over the body, as if to taunt him for having received his just rewards. There must have been 50 or more large ravens cawing in unison, as if victory had been won, and it was just unbelievable. What do you think of that, Kev? Yowie. Wow. Yeah. That know, is, is... I, I could just visualize the whole thing, you know, with, uh, with the ravens, you know, basically uh, Sasquatch nest robber. And all these ravens, you know, trying to prevent it from happening and then cheering cheering on his fall after he falls from this giant tree. Yeah, just uh, crazy. You know, I think of the uh, Blue Jays at my house. Uh, whenever there's a cat around, the Blue Jays seem to appear and they will squawk and fly around in the branches relentlessly. Uh, until the cat moves off. In other words, they're identifying exactly. that some danger is near, you know? Yeah, they can't really do too much except make a racket, maybe swoop down and stuff like that. But Exactly. They don't want to get too close. Hey, so did the uh, uh, person that gave the account, did they say where Otter Tail Range was? It looked like I just Googled it. While you were giving the account, it looks like it's up in uh, British Columbia. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely up there in the Pacific Northwest, the hotbed yeah. for uh, Bigfoot activity. Exactly. Yeah, it looks like it's pretty close to uh, Banff and uh, uh, pretty pretty big mountains there in the range. So you know, uh, definitely some very large trees up there for uh, for a Bigfoot to climb. Yeah, and you know, uh, this is the second account. Uh, that I have of seeing uh, somebody seeing a Bigfoot in a tree nest robbing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, <coughs> excuse I, me. I recall. Uh, I recall that other account. Yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, I also had a fellow in Vermont uh, who was uh, fly fishing below a very small waterfall in a river uh, when he saw something moving up and down a tree in the opposite bank on the top of the falls. Now, we're talking a waterfall that's maybe 15 feet tall. Uh, he sees this thing going up and down in the trees, and he recognized it in his mind as being like a chimpanzee. Mm. So, of course, you're in Vermont. What the heck is a chimpanzee doing here? I haven't seen any chimps up there. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> we're back to the whole circus train thing with gorillas escaping. <laughs> So he's watching this thing go up and down, and then at some point it sits like on a branch and is looking at him, like fast, as fascinated about him being there as he is about it being there. Hmm. Well, this thing disappears d down into the lower branches, which are obscured by other trees, you know, surrounding this big tree. And next thing you know, walking down the bank out of the trees is Papa Bigfoot with this little rascal sitting on his shoulder. So this apparently is it's almost like a child going to the playground on the monkey bars or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very well, 
kind of makes sense. You know, if there's a juvenile one, it would be playing around like every other juvenile creature. Yeah, and, you know, it also makes me think uh, that, you know, Bigfoot may spend more time in the trees than people think. Could be. Could be uh, one of the... uh, one of the behaviors that contributes to the stealthiness. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, think of all the different animals that tree themselves either to rest or perhaps to gain an advantage uh, in hunting. Exactly. Uh, it's, Take a look not... around, especially when you're in, uh, you know, such such a rural place like the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and look, we're talking... We have no idea the strength or uh, vitality of a Bigfoot. I can only imagine how far this thing could jump without hurting itself. Right, right. You know, uh, I remember, I I mean, this has had nothing to do with Bigfoot whatsoever. Uh, You remember our old cat, Tiger? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, folks, we we had a neighbor who moved to Louisiana, and uh, their cat was pretty much our cat. She spent as much time as at our house, and with our dog, by the way, uh, as she did at their house. I remember watching this cat one day jump off of an eight-foot deck onto the ground. Mm. And she just walked away. She did it intentionally. It wasn't an accident. And I said to myself, a little house cat leaping eight feet to the ground. So who knows? Maybe a Bigfoot is capable of jumping uh, or leaping down uh, out of a tree and landing on a a doe or a buck or anything else. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, we certainly have heard many accounts of their, you know, what I would call superhuman strength. And, uh, you know, they're they're, uh, in... In very rural places where you need superhuman strength, and that includes, you know, the ability to jump and, and land. Yeah, yeah, there's no like doubt about it. other wild creatures. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I have so many accounts of people seeing Bigfoot scaling cliffs, uh, uh, driving their bodies up this uh, vertical terrain like it's nothing, you know, and, and people commenting that it would take somebody with mountaineering skills an hour to do what they did in a matter of a couple of minutes. So they they have incredible, incredible, powerful uh, thighs and legs and back and arm strength that makes them like a, a almost like a spider in strength, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. Really fantastic, man. So super cool. Great account. Yeah, no, that's what I had for today. I broke that one out of the box, and uh, I thought the the listeners would find that a little more than interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by all of the accounts, but, you know, those ones up in the Pacific Northwest, places like British Columbia, you know, just so remote up there. It it just makes my imagination go wild. Yeah, you know, it did. You know, again, we spoke about uh, nine and a half million square miles in North America. And, of course, you commenting uh, about flying over the country and not even seeing a road for an hour from the airplane. Oh, yeah. You know, this there is no doubt about it. Well, you flew into Alaska on that uh, uh, bush plane. Uh, out into the no uh, no man's land, and the guide saying that the bears don't even know what a human being is. 
They don't you know. see them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's wild. I mean, and and uh, years ago, not to go too deep on it, but years ago when we lived out in uh, uh, Eastern Washington. Uh, we used to go up to a place called Christina Lake in British Columbia. One of my buddies had a really rural cabin on the other side of the lake that you could only reach by boat. And, um, you know, you, you basically had plumbing that the water, drinking water, ran down out of a stream that was gravity-fed, and it would make the faucets run in the little cabin. And, uh, and then they had uh, um, propane lighting, and a propane refrigerator. I mean, but it was so dark up there, Bill, you literally could not see your hand in front of your face. Now, you know, Kev, I, I remember Kev, doing the test. Kev, <laughs> I am totally blown away again and again by the things that you say. And I'm <laughs> going to tell you why. Folks, if you're new to this podcast, my brother and I come into this cold uh, we don't have any elaborate discussions about what we're doing. Kevin had no idea what I was going to talk about today or the ghost hunter thing or what I'm about to say. Do you know, Kev, I have an account in volume eight, which is not out yet, that came from the very place that you just spoke about. Oh, no, of course, I have no idea. That, that's... That's awesome, but not surprising. I yeah. mean, because it is so rural up there. It's so beautiful too, by the way. I mean, you know, if uh, for the folks around the world, if you haven't seen, and I haven't seen one lately, so but when I lived out there, the tagline on the automobile license plates for British Columbia said something like "Beautiful British Columbia," and it is beautiful, but it is rural as well. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm blown away by that, Kev. Wow. I mean, here you are, your, your buddy's cabin at Christina Lake. You were at the fire tower in Spokane where this guy sighted out uh, the little girl and the shapeshifter. Yeah, the shapeshifter, yeah. Uh, you were at Priest Lake hiking with uh, your wife and your daughter where this guy comes across this ethereal priest walking through the woods and has a uh, Sasquatch encounter. I mean, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do hang around. Uh, historically, we hang around some pretty rural places. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that is just out of the box that incredible. Because awesome. Christina Lake's a pretty small place, too. You know, that said, that I'm not surprised. It is a small place. Um, you got to look hard on the map to find it. Yeah, and this this fella described uh, the running water coming down from a creek. They had like a little trough and pipe assembly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just it's a freaking unbelievable. I'm yeah, just... they had like a, like a as I recall like a 55 gallon drum with the back cut off of it so the water would run in, and then a hose on the other end that would you know it would force it down and into the into the cabin. Yeah, but I think that's pretty typical up on Christina Lake uh, because there's a lot of little cabins on that lake, and of course, even back then, which was twenty twenty five years ago, you couldn't buy a cabin. They were all like willed down from generation to generation, you know, because it's just so beautiful. Yeah, Kev, I, I'm just I can't tell you how blown away I am sitting here right now because <laughs> everything you're saying is exactly what the account says. The guy said that. He had to access the cabin from the opposite side of the lake. There was a place where they could launch a little boat. That's exactly it. Because you this... drive up and park, and there's like bait shops. And, I mean, marina is an overstatement, but, you know, like a boat ramp. 
And we went across the lake with our bags of clothes and some food on like a little aluminum boat with like a five horse outboard. Right. And this in this particular account, the the cabin uh, was in the family. You couldn't build there anymore, which is exactly what you said. And this cabin was in the family and uh, they had gone over there. And consequently, you're going to have to read uh, book eight, folks. Somewhere down the road, I'm going to uh, I'll talk about the account. But who knows when? I'm just blown away, Kev. I'm almost speechless, which for me is like <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, that that we're talking, to, you're basically uh, uh, setting the framework for the account out of your own mouth, having no knowledge of what I have uh, uh, penned in book eight. Super cool. Oh, that's freaking unbelievable. By the way, I'm still waiting for that autographed copy of one of the volumes. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, I'm glad you said that, Kev. So let's do another contest. All right. So here's the contest. I want listeners to contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Go to the contact link, and you have to answer this question. Do you think... That Bigfoot is more human with animal characteristics, or do you think Bigfoot is more animal with human characteristics? So you need to answer that question, and you can say whatever else you want to us. Hello, uh, hopefully not goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm going to do the same thing again. Uh, I'll pick one of you and... uh, Somebody will be winning an autographed copy of one of my books. That's cool, Bill. I'll put that description. Uh, yeah, I'll put that question in the show description too. Uh, when we uh, when we drop this show later on today um, on the podcast player. And by the way, uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. We have I have put some uh, photographs, maps, etc. in the uh, in the uh, episode section. So some of the stuff we've re- we've referred to. In previous episodes and in today's episode, I've added comments uh, and pictures uh, related to some of the things we talk about, including uh, my own picture of a blonde-like brown bear from up in Alaska, where we talk about the different colors of of Sasquatches and the different colors of bears. I uh, posted a picture from my recent trip to Alaska up there. Um, so take a look. Come to, come to the site, and while you're there, answer the questions in our uh, in our comments section. You might win an autographed copy of a book, and you definitely may be featured on uh, Listener Mail, which we're making a transition to right now. Okay, what do you got, Kev? Well, what do cool. we have? We got, yeah, we got some good letters. So uh, <laughs> the first one is kind of a long, uh, multi-part uh, email, but it's uh, pretty good. It comes from Tom Fudge uh, from Michigan. And uh, he says, hello from Michigan. I had to write in and tell you how much I enjoy the podcast. I first heard of you, WJ, on Into the Fray. I really enjoyed that episode, so I was thrilled when I found your show. The way you and Kevin keep it fun and still respectful of the topic is a perfect mix. Well, that's nice. Thank you, uh, Tom. Um, He says, I've been doing research now for a couple of years, nothing in the field, but listening to eyewitness accounts and scouring the good old Internet. I've come to believe I may have even seen a very young Bigfoot when I was about six while camping in the Sierra Nevadas. 
I'm 100% sure of their existence, but I still have so many questions, as do so many people. So he says, my question for you is, do you think Sasquatch and Dogman are related at all? Do you think they're enemies or what? I've been intentionally staying away from Dogman stuff because I want to focus and learn as much as I can about Bigfoot, but the two intertwine so often, especially in Michigan. Wow. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for listening and spending a little time to uh, uh, chime in with us. Uh, and also a big shout out to uh, Shannon Legro, uh, her podcast, Into the Fray, uh, which I was on. Uh, at some point, I guess Shannon's going to have me back on again. She's got something up her sleeve. She's been reading the books and plotting <laughs> out, <laughs> plotting out her interview. Uh, but the relationship between Dogman and Bigfoot, uh, I don't think there is a relationship. Uh, I've said it before, and people who listen to the podcast is going to hear this a uh, hundred times over. Uh, to me, the dogman is uh, a demonic phenomena. Uh, I believe that the Bigfoot is a real creature uh, with a flip side to it, as we were just talking about from the uh, the uh, ghost uh, the ghost hunters uh, show. Uh, but as far as the dogman, I don't think that things live in anywhere. I think that appears uh, and disappears. And I think it, it its roots are in the demonic. So uh, I, I don't know if that answers your question. but I think uh, it does. I think it does. It does uh, also lead to, uh, you know, an interesting uh, uh, but funny uh, storyline. You know, like uh, you could imagine like when we were kids, Bill, the old 430 movie up in New York, uh, like Godzilla versus Morthora. Maybe I'll have something like Sasquatch <laughs> versus Dogman. <laughs> <laughs> who wins and of course tom <laughs> mentions you know especially in michigan because if you listen to uh our dogman episode you know a lot of the sightings are up in rural michigan yeah there's no doubt about it and folks if you don't have volume one of my book the michigan upper peninsula story is one for the records uh, what these guys encountered and what they went through, firing shots at a Bigfoot through a tent, uh, coming back to their uh, campsite and finding uh, their F-250 jacked up monster truck torn to freaking pieces. I was going to say, that's the one with the trashed pickup, right? Uh, just, yeah. It's just unbelievable. I mean, this thing was ripping bolts and winches out of the bumper. Uh, smashed a guy's hood in with what appeared to be its forearms, bashing it up and down and wrecking the cap on the truck. I mean, just like uh, you want to talk about rage uh, and power. Oh, my God. It's just like it, it's just unimaginable. Uh, I'm with you, Bill. Wow. You. All right. So the next uh, email comes in from Prince in Morocco. I don't know if that's the Prince of Morocco, a <laughs> prince, or someone named Prince, or someone formerly known as Prince. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, it's not the musician. Yeah, I know. I know. Sorry, sorry, Prince. I didn't mean to. Uh, uh, thank you for the thank you for the email. So he says, uh, 
This is one of the most amazing podcasts that I've come upon in years. Why do you think more of these creatures aren't being seen? Surely there must be a substantial population. Perhaps they give birth at a very limited rate as compared to other animals. Great mm. show. Yeah, you know, that's a very interesting point there. Uh, the birth rate. Because, you know, uh, they're not bunny rabbits, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there is some real science uh, around that very large mammals tend to have, uh, you know, very few uh, babies. You know, if you look at an elephant or, or something like that, you know, it doesn't have 10 babies at once. Right. You know, um, uh, even a whale, you know, it doesn't give birth to uh, a whole group of, uh, of babies, you know, not like... Uh, not like my Labrador Retriever, you know, that might have 10 puppies. Right, or, right, uh, right. You know, a bunny, like you mentioned. Yeah, so, I mean, that is... And then also the, the gestation period is usually a lot longer for these large mammals, you know, like an elephant, for example. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, that also opens up another interesting point. I've never heard of a uh, Bigfoot being seen that anybody described as being pregnant. Yeah, true. Uh, but that being said... What if you had one offspring in a lifetime uh, or, or maybe two? And right. what is the survival rate? Uh, right. we, don't, we don't know if these offspring stay with them all the time or if they themselves could become the victim to an animal attack uh, or just die from sickness or disease or something. Yeah, or even an attack from one another. You know, like I think I mentioned when we were talking about the Alaska brown bears that I was hanging out with uh, a month or so ago where, you know, once the uh, cub or cubs are born, again, not a bunch of them, you know, maybe a couple uh, are born, the, the father takes off and actually the mother has to protect the cubs from the male bears because the male bears will actually attack their own cubs or other cubs. Yeah, that is very interesting. And the same stands true for lions. Yeah. You know, the lions leave, and then the mother's left to protect the cubs, and other lions uh, will come and attack them. They look, I guess they view them as a future threat. Yeah, uh, you're saying it's not as warm and friendly as the Disney's Lion King? <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Great yeah, good, job, Prince. Yeah, good question, Prince. Um uh, thanks, thanks for the uh, email as well. All right, so we got a couple more here, Bill, from Alina. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. In Poland, she writes, "Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic! I've purchased all of your audiobooks. When will the others be forthcoming?" Wow. Well, Alina, I'm doing them. Uh... As best as I can, it's a lot of studio time and uh, the place where I'm recording them, you know, has other things on the docket uh, and uh, he's plugging me in where I have time off that coincides with his availability. So, uh, but we'll get them done. Uh, I kind of think I should be done maybe by the end of the year or into the winter over here, uh, but we'll see. Uh I'm not per se in a rush. I, I book time when I can, and I am looking forward to uh, getting through them. So just stay tuned, and I'll be uh, 
announcing them as we go along uh, their completion. But uh, thanks, Kev. You know, I'm really blown away by the uh, the uh, length and breadth of the listenership to this podcast. I mean, we're talking freaking Poland. Where was Prince from? Prince was from Morocco. Holy smokes, man! Yeah, and we're staying over there in, uh, in not not that Poland's in the Middle East, but uh, we're going to head over to the Middle East uh, for the last letter from Rashid in Kuwait. Holy um, cow! Yeah, yeah, and he says. This is an incredible podcast, and your ability to weave a tale is impeccable. But these stories can't be true, are they? In either case, it's very entertaining. <laughs> I love it. A skeptic yeah. from the deserts of Kuwait. Exactly. I don't think there's any hairy man roaming around Kuwait. So Yeah, watch out, Rashid. You may run into some monster camel with fangs. <laughs> I wonder if there's any cryptid stories from places like Kuwait. We're going to have to look into that. Yeah. Uh, pretty interesting. But, you know, again, I say to Rashid what I say to everybody. When you say, do you believe that these stories are true? I throw it back at the people because inevitably it's what you think, not what I think. Uh, if I didn't think Bigfoot was real, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing here with my brother. So uh, the question then gets tossed back into your lap. What do you think about this creature? Uh, you know, inevitably, it's a decision that's made by an individual uh, in their own mind and heart uh, after reading or seeing whatever it is they've heard and seen uh, and coming to a conclusion for themselves. I mean, what do you think, Kev? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you said it well. I mean, I I uh, have been out in some very rural places, continue to go out in some very rural places. And, you know, my brother and I don't necessarily agree. I, I would like to run into the hairy man in the right setting while I had a lot of weapons uh, ready, <laughs> ready to go uh, in case they're needed. You know, so I'm not necessarily saying I'd go out hunting for him, but if he lunged at me like our Kentucky uh, bluegrass story, uh, I might have to throw some lead that way. <laughs> but I, I still ha I haven't seen one, and, uh, you know, I haven't seen any footprints or anything like that. So it's kind of you. You have to you have to look at everything that's out there and on an ongoing basis. But I do know that things, you know, creatures are discovered that uh, you know were never thought to exist previously. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, Kev? I know you carry a camera on you. Oh yeah. So maybe someday. Oh, uh, I know. I'm yeah. hoping that uh, you're going to be in one of these locations and you're going to grab a shot. Of something, and I know coming from you that if you say you saw it or this thus thus and so, then that's exactly what happened. Oh, absolutely, no doubt about it. And um, but I hope you don't make fun of me, like if I'm shooting some video and my hands are shaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, as he's bearing down on you down the hillside. <laughs> You remember that account? Uh, I don't know if we've done it on the podcast, but I will. The fifth bullet. I mean, that was just terrifying when this thing was running long range down the side of this mountain hillside towards the sky. And he was shooting lead at it, and the thing was not stopping. Wow. I mean, that is just, you know, I mean, you can't imagine the fright and the terror of shooting something and it keeps coming. 
No doubt. No doubt. Uh, well, wow. well, that's it, Bill. That's the show for uh, for this week. Fantastic. Yeah. And once again, as we end this show and look forward to the next, may I remind all of our listeners, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.